Welcome to the 180 Podcast. You are listening to a teaching of the 180, a new church committed to learning to love Jesus and love like Jesus. Our prayer is that God would use this teaching to help you grow closer to Him and that you would feel moved to join us in person, where you can grow in community with the larger 180 family. Bienvenue à la balado-diffusion de l'Église 180. Vous écoutez un enseignement de l'Église 180, une nouvelle Église qui s'est engagée à apprendre à aimer Jésus et à aimer comme Jésus. Notre prière est que Dieu utilisera cet enseignement afin de vous aider à vous rapprocher de Lui et que cela vous donne envie de vous joindre à nous en personne où vous pourrez vous épanouir au sein de la communauté qu'est la grande famille de l'Église 180. Hey, thanks for singing and for being part of this. Uh, uh, we're really grateful for our team. And uh, I just want to say a special hello, especially if you're here for the first time or maybe tuning in uh, for the first time and uh, church or uh, connecting in a church setting is still kind of brand new or weird. Uh, you know, we understand that in a room like this, uh, you know, and even with the internet and all that stuff, there's so many different perspectives and different spiritual journeys people are on. Thanks, bro. And... Uh, And so we, we want to really be sensitive to that. We want to be sensitive to know that if you're here for the first time or still like exploring faith, religion, God, you know, that this is a safe place and that we're all just learning to do that together. And that's a good reminder for us, especially if you're comfortable in a church setting. Like maybe you're here and you're like, I'm kind of used to church. I kind of am comfortable here. You're part of the 180. It's a good reminder sometimes to know that there's people in your life that maybe just need to be encouraged by you As, as they explore questions, that there's a place that they can join you in and come with you maybe to learn and to grow and that it's a safe place to do that. You know, we've been in a series uh, uh, that we started a few weeks ago on uh, what it means to be people who hear the truth and who are comfortable learning about the truth. And Joanna mentioned that already. Uh, the series is called Beyond Myths. And we're learning together, you know, how do we move past certain things that we believe over time that sound really good. We actually sometimes we hope that they're true, but they're not. Okay? They're just not. There, there's lies that creep into the way we think about our lives and there's things that we start to believe. And so we've been encouraging you to kind of learn with us. If you've missed one of these teachings, you can go online and you can kind of ex explore at your, own, at your own pace. But this morning I want to talk about one of those myths that uh, I think I believed for probably 10 years in my life. So I'm going to tell you like part of it is I want to begin like with a confession, okay? It is I believed a myth about the story of Jesus in light of all the other religions in the world. And it's a kind of myth that we'll explore in a little while that has to do with are all religions really the same? You know, I don't, maybe you never thought about this. Uh, maybe, you know, you're not sure what you believe. Maybe you're like, yeah, they are or no, they're not. Or, you know, I know some people are like, who cares? You know, like, who cares? I don't care about religion anyway. I don't care about any of this. You know, we are actually trying to learn about things that actually apply to our lives. And you might not know this, but the world is actually getting more religious than less religious. Maybe not in North America, but around the world, if you really want to understand culture and people and business and learning, you at some point have to think about the shape of religion and what people believe about religion in a very complex way. If you're a business person, you're a leader, you know this. If you're working in other contexts, religion is a big deal. And so I want to begin by telling you a story that I heard years ago. And, and this is a story maybe that led me to start to believe this myth. And here's the myth, right? That all religions are really just the same. They're just different approaches to everybody kind of searching out God, spirituality. They're really all the same thing. So you pick your flavor, like ice cream, 
and uh, don't worry about it. We'll sort it out at the end. It's very, very common. And actually, if you've ever been to university or if you've studied like an intro to philosophy class, there's this famous story that's often told to kind of fuel this idea. It's very, very common. And it's the story of the blind villagers or the blind village and the elephant. Have you ever heard the story? Some of you have heard it. Maybe, maybe you never heard it, but it, it applies to this myth. And, and here's how the story goes. It's like religion is like this community of people that are all blind. This village is all blind, and they're all searching for some meaning, and they realize that in front of them is this elephant. And because they can't see, they're all touching this elephant at a different place on the elephant. Some are touching the back of the elephant, some are touching the side of the elephant, some are touching the nose of the elephant. But really, it's all the same thing. It's an elephant. But they think that it's something different because they're just blind and they can't see. And if you learn about this story, this is an ancient philosoph like philosophical way of thinking about religion. It comes from the Eastern world. Some people think come, uh, the origins of it maybe is in, from India. Is that at some point, I started to believe this. I started to believe, yeah, it's kind of like that. You know, everybody's just searching for things. And we think we're, we believe something different. But in the end, we really believe all the same things. And we're all just trying to love someone, be kind, and then die. The end. Let's pray and go home. Okay? Like, it, it can almost kind of seem that way. And so one of the things I want to talk about a little bit about how this actually is something that at some point, if you read the Bible and if you're growing to know about who Jesus is, is something you kind of have to address. You kind of have to think just a little bit more deeply about this. And, and if you've been in the, with us in the series, you know this, that the lies or the myths that we believe, they don't just happen overnight. Like nobody believes something that's bad for them overnight. Nobody wakes up and says, I can't wait to believe a lie today. It's going to be great. I can't wait to start living a lie today. Nobody does that. We actually do that over time because of things we hear and we don't stop and say, hmm, I need to think about this in a deeper way maybe. Or I need to explore what I really believe about the Bible or about faith or about another religion, about atheism, whatever it is you're exploring. And so I just want to go back to something that has been kind of in this series from the beginning, that the Bible kind of invites us to remember that lies, if they're left unattended, always destroy our lives, okay? They're not just like, oh, little things that don't really matter, like maybe there are things that way, but the spiritual kind of lies that we believe over time start to destroy our lives. And if you're new to Christianity and this is kind of brand new and you think of someone that's like, hey, how do I help them understand this idea? It's actually found at the beginning of the Bible. There's this famous story at the beginning of the Bible that addresses this whole idea of how lies come to us in a way that is hard sometimes to spot them as lies. They're like, hmm, it kind of sounds right. And it's this famous story. Some of you have maybe heard the story before. It's a famous story about these two individuals in the Bible called Adam and Eve. Have you ever heard of them? Anyone? Adam and Eve? No? Okay. So let me tell you about them. This is a famous story in the beginning of the Bible. And you, when you read it, it's fascinating. It's this moment where God tells creation human creation as well, Adam and Eve, that there's a certain fruit that they cannot eat of in this garden. And then the representation of a lie comes in the form and the symbol of a snake, which many people connect to evil, symbolic, and Satan, right? to maybe not believe the truth of what God said. And here's what's really, really amazing. If you read that story, you can go back and read it. We're not going to spend a lot of time on it. You'll see that this is what happens in the story, which is the, a pivotal moment in the whole story of the Bible. It says this, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. 
I mean, this is kind of the epicenter of this moment of truth and lying at the beginning of the Bible. You know why? Because the serpent, which represents not believing in the truth the way God shared the truth, is not lying. Because you know what happens with Adam and Eve in the story? If you've never read it, it's fascinating. They touch the fruit, they eat the fruit, and guess what happens to them? They don't die. They don't automatically just fall on the floor and die. Dying symbolically in the Bible in this moment is a slow process of not trusting God's words. And death kind of becomes symbolic of something that happens slowly in all of humanity. Now, if we had time, we would unpack the spiritual, philosophical implications of all of this, but we will not do that now, okay? But I want to remind you that when we talk about lies and when we talk about myths, it's hard for us to understand it because sometimes it doesn't seem like it's a big deal. I mean, you just believe what you want. And over time, I've done this in my own life. I believe certain things, like I've believed all kinds of different myths and silly things, things that I thought were not a big deal, but they became a big deal. Like, I used to believe this myth that all poor people were lazy. Can you imagine that? You know how destructive that is when you believe that? You're never generous. You're a great judge of people. You're, you're always judging people. Look at them. Oh, look, they look fine to me. They could go to work. You know people who say this? No one here, of course. It was just my problem. It's a problem I had. Kind of, like, we just say stuff, and I'm like, wait a second. That doesn't make much sense. That's ridiculous. Or maybe you've heard the myth that all Italians are annoying. Have you ever heard that? No, no. It's, it's a myth. It's not true. Just Sicilians and those who live in St. Leo. <laughs> well, what's wrong? If you live in St. Leonard, yes, and if you're Sicilian, yes. The rest are not annoying. You see, you have to correct these things. This, is about, this church is about truth. <laughs> Let's pray. We're going to, everybody can go home now. <laughs> no, there's, uh, I can see Janina. She's like, wait a second, I got a joke about you. I'm going to dress up as you for Halloween. good times. We, we, we laugh here sometimes. But back to serious things. Some myths are not just funny like that. They lead to death. The Bible says you can try, but there's so many things we start to believe, and over time, it's a misconception. It's kind of something that just doesn't sound right, and then it shapes how we live and how we act. And so this morning, I want us together to, to explore a myth that becomes very common for us to believe, which is, again, that maybe all religions are really the same. Let me just tell you how much I wish that that was true. Do you know how easy my job would be if that was true? You know how easy all of this would be if that was true? When we could say, listen, dying on the cross, Jesus dying on the cross, what a fool. He could have just told us, hey, hey, nobody kill me. Everything's really the same. Go get him, gang. Be friendly. Wouldn't it be great? At some point, we hear this idea of wanting all religious beliefs to be the same thing because the truth is we want to avoid conflict. Can we just agree? This is such a, a, an honest human thing. Like, I think we just have to be okay with that. Like, I want that. I know people who don't even believe all religions. I know people who don't believe any religion is true. Like, they're atheists. They think people are religious are annoying and weird. And I don't want to have conflict with them. And I don't want to have to like butt heads and be like, well, let me just show you in the Bible. It says you're going to burn in hell. Like who wants to do that? Who wants to do that? Nobody. 
So after a while, a myth becomes something we want to be true because of how we feel when we think about the topic. Now, this idea about believing whether all religions are the same or for some people, like, they're not the same, but they're all leading to the same ending. It's like all roads lead to Rome. You just take a different road, right? We really have to kind of let it sit in us and think about this in a deeper way. If you're watching from another part of the country or the province, this is a particular big deal for Quebecers here in Quebec. This, just a few weeks ago, the government announced that they're changing actually teaching religion in schools for many of our schools. Maybe you saw this. CBC picked up the story. You read about it. Quebec is to replace ethics and religious culture class with program emphasizing Quebec values, critical thinking. This is kind of the future. Now, I'm all for some of this stuff. It's great. We need critical thinking. We need Quebec values. We need to understand more about Quebec culture, for sure. But like the religion part, what do we do with that? Now, it's very common in our culture to be like, you know what, all religions are kind of the same, so let people figure it out on their own. If you're a religious person, I don't know, read a blog. Watch a documentary on Netflix. We're not teaching you that. We uh, are living in a time in this province where we're all going to have to wrestle with this question about religion. All of us. We're going to have to wrestle with what do, we, what do we do? I talked to someone this week that was so upset at this. They said, did you hear? Like, they're going to get rid of religion. They don't want to teach religion in schools. And I said to this person, I'm like, did you go to church? Like, are you religious? They're like, no. I'm like, so why do you care? Talk about like the truth. It was like this awkward moment. I was like, this is weird. There's so many people who are like, oh, this makes me upset. But you don't even care about learning about any religion. But for those of us who care, we realize that we live in a time where this myth is attached just to the way we think about our place in our culture. Also, I want to tell you the other way this myth is connected to what we do with other religions because we're uncomfortable too with how we feel when it, it comes to not wanting to confront or to correct. I think of someone who's in my neighborhood, a neighbor who's Muslim, another person who doesn't believe in anything. Just like, how do you kind of be a follower of Jesus in that space? Like, what do you do? And the other thing I want to tell you that's really important, one of the ways that this myth, I believe this myth, okay, I'll tell you, it has to do with the church I grew up in. When I was really, really young, I kind of started to believe this idea, and I'm going to tell you a secret about how churches get away from dealing with this problem. I grew up in a church that always used to use this tagline. You ready for this? Some of you will like this, but never use it again. Ready? It's like, we don't believe in a religion. We believe in a relationship. Have you ever heard that? Can you please stop saying stuff like that? Just stop it. Like, I hear this all the time. It's a way of bypassing, thinking carefully about a religious understanding of what it means to understand Judaism and understand Jesus and understand our faith in the world. And one of the ways you don't have to ever do that to deal with this issue is just change the words. It's just about a relationship. Now, it is true. So much of Christianity is a relational understanding of God, that God wants to have a relationship with us. But to know that, you need to understand a religion, a religious context. And so as we do that this morning, I want to invite each of us to grow in this area. And when I, I want to do that by looking at a passage in the Bible where we learn how Christians are dealing with other religions. It's not like a new thing. If you have a Bible, you want to go to Acts chapter 17. And let me just tell you quickly that the book of Acts is the story of Christians interacting with people who believe different things. Now, you might have never thought about this, but so just if you remember this, it would be really, really important, right? Is that when Christianity begins, there are thousands of other religious options that people could be a part of. Sometimes, like, we think because Christianity is old, like, it was one of the first ones. That would be wrong. Christianity is like a new religion in the ancient world. 
Christianity is part of a new way of thinking about God in a world where all these people have other religious beliefs. So we have to do what all of the earliest Christians have to do. They have to realize that something about this Jesus changes our relationship with God. And something about this Jesus changes who we are and who we're called to be. And that sometimes conflicts with all of these other religions that are around in the ancient world. And I just wish they would have said like, hey, don't worry about it, they're all the same. This will be so easy. Just hang out. Right? Now, there are similarities in a lot of religions, so that's good news. And if you did a class on religion, we might eventually do a midweek learning series about Christianity in a world with other religions, which would be really, really good. I want to encourage you to come to. But I want to read in Acts chapter 17 this moment where a leader in the church, his name is Paul, he's starting to realize that as he talks to other people about Jesus and about what Jesus has done in his life, some people don't like that. They're like, what? It's kind of weird. This is what we're told. It's really important to, just to understand the context. Those who escorted, escorted Paul brought him to Athens and then left, him with instruct, left instructions for Silas and Timothy to join him as soon as possible. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. Okay, if you, you're taking notes, I want, you to, I want you to write down something important in your notes and remember this, that the word idols means that people believed a lot of different things. Okay, it doesn't mean that they have statues everywhere. It just means it was filled with different belief systems about what people believed or embraced and built their life on. Just like, guess what? Like today. You and I know people, even in our own lives, things that, that pull at our hearts, that make us feel like, is Jesus really the center? Well, maybe not. Like maybe I could have other things that I believe in and I could kind of mix Christianity with that or I could come to church on Sunday and then do whatever I want every other day. You ever try that? It works for a while, but it's a myth if you keep learning about Jesus. Because sooner or later, Jesus is like, I want all of you, your heart, your mind, your soul, your resources, all of you. You need to commit all of yourself to me. That's the way this is going to work. And Paul is this leader in the earliest times of Christianity where he realizes the truth is, is that the story of Jesus now has to make sense in the world where people believe all kinds of different things. Now, I want to just pause here and just go just a little bit deeper, okay? Just a touch deeper before the alarm goes off again, okay? So, it is that if, you were, if you've ever read the Bible in the Old Testament, you realize that right after you see the word idols in the Bible, you're mostly prone to see, and after that, God said, go and kill them. Any of you ever have this moment where you read it? You're like, and this is the great hot topic question about what happens when the Old Testament says that God tells people to kill other, other people and their religions. What do we do with that? You're almost expecting that here. You're expecting like there's all these idols and the way you deal with idols is you confront them. Now I need to say something important. In the Old Testament, it was very common for people to see religious disagreement as always a moment for confrontation. And whoever wins... The proof would be, has the real God, and whoever loses, the proof would be they have the false God. That was the model of confrontation in the Old Testament, okay? And it's very common for us to feel when we think of this myth that we don't want that anymore. Like, we don't want to do that. We don't want to be people who are always seen as like fighting and yelling and arguing with other people or just saying, hey, I guess we got to have a battle. we got to figure out who's right here. And then the view of our lives is built on being those who are always looking for a fight with other people who don't believe what we believe. 
I felt so conflicted with this when I was growing up. I'm like, I'm learning about Jesus. I know he's the truth. I know he's calling us to live in a different way. But what do we do with all these people who believe different things? Here's some good news. We're not the first ones to deal with this. Paul's already dealing with it in the, in the first few centuries, first few years of Christianity. And so I want to show you something beautiful that Paul and the New Testament shows us that's different from the Old Testament. Now, we learn from the Old Testament. We can see that God, those things happen in the Old Testament. And now we're learning about reading that through the light of the fact that Jesus comes to show us maybe a different way. Or Jesus gives meaning to the Old Testament in a new way. This is what we're told happens next. It's really profound. It says, so Paul killed everybody, right? Well, that's not what it says. Look what it says. So Paul reasoned with people in the synagogue with both Jews, God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. If you read anything in the ancient languages of the Bible, the actual word for reasoned, we get our English word for dialogue from it. Dialoge is the Greek word for Paul had a reasonable dialogue with people who he realized believed in many different things. He began to create a space where he could say, hey, tell me why you believe, you know, that the God you worship is half goat and half woman. Tell me about that. Why is that important to you? Tell me why you believe that it's important to drink the blood of a bull. Tell me that. Why does that matter? I think one of the biggest challenges we will have in the future of the relationship of Christians with those who believe other things is we do not know how to have a dialogue with people who believe different things. You know what that's called? It's called to be human. You don't even need to be like a Christian for that. And I didn't learn that in church because I learned that being a Christian is to be born again, which meant to be born against. To be born again is always to find somebody that you can tell they're wrong, you're right, and we're going to have a debate all the time. And so instead of learning how to be a Christian filled with the Spirit to be able to have a conversation that leads to a dialogue, I learned to be a Christian is to be ready for confrontation all the time. And you know what I felt in a weird way? That if I wasn't that kind of person, I wasn't really a Christian. It was like this subtle religious judgment to be like, oh, did you defend the faith? Did you defend that? And, and there's verses in the Bible, like I told you, there's verses in the Bible where Jesus will say, if you're not ready to defend me in front of people, then God won't defend you. you. You pull them out of their context. You start to hear them. You're like, oh, instead of saying, wait a second, what if we have examples of how the earliest Christians are doing this? Now, Paul is going to be adamant about how unique Jesus is, but he's going to do that by saying, let's go visit where people are working. Like, I, if we had time, like I thought about this this week, it'd be great to bring someone up from, from just sitting down and just sit down and, and we would talk. I feel like just to show you, this is what a dialogue, jo Joanna, you want to come up and do a dialogue thing? Yeah, okay, come, come. Joe, come. It'll be good. You want to come? Yeah, yeah, come, come. It'll be nice. Some people will be like, what's going on? This is intense. Alarm's going off and ad lib. <laughs> Joe, come here. Come here, fast. Just sit. You, you, you just, just, yeah, it'd be great. It'd be great. No, 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 no. Joanna's my friend. Joanna's your friend. You find out that Joanna has had a horrible experience in church, perhaps, and, uh, and, and, and she doesn't believe in God anymore. She believes in all kinds of different things. She's not even sure if she's an atheist. And you realize this is someone that you care about. You work with them, and you, if you're a Christian, you understand the Bible. You're like, God is placing me in places which equal the marketplace, which is the opposite of this. 
Okay? It's like the real like world all the time. And we need to learn to say like, hey, Joanna, last week I heard you say that you're going to see a palm reader. Has that ever helped you? She might say, it does a lot. The palm reader warned me about people like you. You're a preacher guy, aren't you? I'm like, I am, I am. And, and I realized that over the years, when we don't learn how to have a conversation where Joanna would say, you know what, I'm not sure I believe this. We're like, we're nervous. We're like, okay, call me when you are sure that you're ready to believe this. Instead of being like, God, what are you doing in this person's life? And how might you, Jesus, just be trying to remind them that you love them? And what would it look like to just develop that? And then you know what happens all the time when this happens with someone that you care about? It changes how you pray. It changes how you pray, not only for yourself, your stuff, your kid. It changes how you pray about the people in your life. Joanne, you have a hard question? I'm just saying, like, I just wanted to give an example. Like, Joanna and I can go back and forth the whole sermon about having this conversation. But we rarely learn this basic thing. Give Joanna a hand. She's, like, nervous. <laughs> what a great conversation. Ready for a hard question. Like, this is so basic. You know who taught us this better than anyone else? Jesus. Jesus picks his disciples by going to their work. Can you imagine how crazy that is? He decides today, I'm going to go visit the telemarketing place. There's a few guys there. They're brothers. They're going to follow me. Then he goes to a fishing place, and he's like, I'm going to, you guys, you should do what I'm doing. We are going to have to learn how to just have a conversation with people. So we're listening and hearing, hey, you know what? This is what a person believes that's very different than me. Or here's something that somebody believes that's actually very similar to the story of Jesus. This goes on back and forth in the story of our faith. Learning to have a dialogue. Learning to create space. Learning to realize that people have different beliefs than we have. And learning to do this so that the next generation sees us doing this. We model this for them. Paul is left there in this moment. And it would be so nice if I told you everybody that Paul is having a conversation with all become Christians. Wouldn't that be beautiful? They all come to the front and they accept Jesus as Lord and they get baptized. Sometimes that happens, but that's not what it says in the next section. This is what it said. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Oh, great. Debates. They began to debate with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seemed to be advocating foreign gods. This is one of the most difficult moments when you learn about Christianity in a world with all these other religions. So I want to give you kind of a little thing to remember in your mind of how difficult it would have been for people who love Jesus to begin to explain to the people that following Jesus was hard and complicated and they had all these other questions. And so you need to understand this, that in the ancient world, there's all these other philosophical schools of thought. You might be shocked, but Stoicism today is one of the, one of the philosophies that's making a huge comeback in the modern world. Many people are starting to get interested in ancient Stoicism. It's one of those ancient religions that we get the word to be stoic from, right? To be stoic is to not be emotional, to not be moved, to be strong. It's a sign of actually a strong leader, right? To be stoic, to be like non-emotional, to be the word in business is to be neutral. When you have to make a deal, you don't want to show your cards. You want to be stoic, right? And there's a whole religion that had to do with this. And you know what made this religion really popular in the ancient world? There was one emperor. His name was Marcus Aurelius. He loved Stoicism. 
One of the most ancient books we have about Stoicism, about what Stoicism was about, was because of this emperor who thought that good emperors were always Stoic. Think about it. Are there things in the Bible that are close to that? Yeah, there are. There are things in the Bible about like not worrying, not being overwhelmed, trusting God, leaving your anxieties with Jesus, all these things. So you see right away the earliest Christians would have been like, okay, maybe there's a similarity here. But everybody who's listening to Paul knows something that's really important, that all religions are not the same. They can feel that what Paul is saying and what they believe are not the same thing. They can feel that what Paul is talking about rubs them the wrong way and they start to make fun of him. He's a babbler. What's he talking about? And the worst thing you can say about somebody is he's bringing an idea from a foreign place. You ever hear that today? We want to let people come in who have like a different ideas than what we believe. Is that what we want to do here? Is that safe for our kids? All of these things are in the Bible. Paul is there. And he's saying, listen, let's just talk about this. And if you read all of Acts chapter 17, it's it's a beautiful section of the story of Christianity, you start to feel what it was like for those earliest Christians to say, Jesus, you've changed our lives. You've done something that no one has ever done before. And you're helping us understand what that means for us. And we have to figure out how this makes sense in a world where people believe different things. Let me just say something that I want you to remember before I close. And if you remember nothing else, remember this. That when you believe the myth that all religions are all the same, you will never share your faith in Jesus. You will never develop the skill of being able to share about how Jesus has changed your life. Because you'll think it doesn't really matter if you believe in Jesus. You can just believe whatever you want. And we see that when we're learning about the story of Jesus and if we care about understanding the God that we say we love, over time there's a real struggle with saying, I don't want a confrontation, but the wisdom of Jesus helps me have a conversation with somebody. Helps me to be open, to listen, to even learn, to even refine how I think about my faith myself. And I know that this is something that would be so much easier to just believe the myth. Just believe that things are all the same. Just believe that it's not a big deal. But Paul will say it's a really big deal. This week, I was reminded of when this myth becomes a very big deal. Two people from our church lost loved ones. People that they care about died. And if you've ever been with somebody who's with someone that they love, who's passed away, right away you're left with this feeling of like, what do I believe about that? What do I believe about death? What do I believe about maybe seeing this person some other time? What do I believe about my faith and what it means to be a Christian? You'd be surprised, but the Bible talks about the story of Jesus in light of people losing ones that they love to death and suffering. And you might be really, really surprised that it makes a difference if Jesus is the same like all other religions when it comes to thinking about death and life after death. One of the ways we learn about this in the story of our church is every time we take communion, we say to one another that one day we will celebrate this meal with Jesus again. We say that to each other. And after a while, you either believe that that's not true or you believe that it is true and you live into that truth. But this is what Paul is going to say to those people who are struggling with him. I'm going to leave you with this thought. It says this. They said this, they said these things about Paul because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. 
if you want to know kind of the most basic essential truth from which all Christianity emerges from, think about it like a fountain of water which all water comes from in the middle of a pool. It's that the good news that God loved us before we could love him and that the resurrection is that death does not get the final word about who we are. And when those two things come together, we have something about the story of Jesus that makes Jesus and Christianity unique than every other religion in the ancient world. Because almost every other religious tradition, if they believed in God, believed in some sense that we worked our way to God. If only we did enough things. And that when life ended, well, we don't really know. Good luck. We hope you figure it out. And, and Christians are like, no, no, we do know because Jesus told us that one day he will conquer death. And then their earliest Christians are like, he did conquer death. This is what makes Christianity so unique. Now, not completely different all the time, but unique in the conversation about religions. Every time I'm prone or tempted to say, hey, I'm too tired to have a conversation. I don't really care about what you believe. All religions are kind of all the same. Whenever I am tempted to do this, you know what I reveal in one movement? That I know nothing about any religion. One of the most ignorant things we can say about people who believe other things is to say, it doesn't really matter, we're all the same. But when you really learn about other religions, you realize how different religions really are. There's some religions that believe that when you die, you come back as an animal. Does that sound the same to what Jesus said? There's some religions that say that when you die, you disintegrate and nobody cares about you. Does that sound the same to what Jesus said? They're like, Paul's like, nope, that's not what he said. That over time, we have to get honest about saying, hey, we disagree, we don't have to fight, but what you believe and what I believe is different. And we know this from Paul in the first century saying, hey, hey, there's a lot of beliefs here. There's beliefs in a Jewish context. There's beliefs in a Greek context. There's beliefs in a Roman context. You can go to the slide, Luca, just to, just to give you the categories. You just go to, th this is the categories of the story of Christianity in this world. And there are so many different religions in each of these categories. And Paul will say, listen, we can talk, we can converse, we can dialogue. But let me just tell you something important. That there's something about the good news of Jesus and his death and resurrection that makes us different. And I would love for you to understand what that's like. And then we trust that God is at work in us and in other people. And now I'm gonna, the band's going to come up and I want to leave you with one last thing that we all feel with this, this idea. One, we need to stop believing this myth that all religions are the same. Let's, maybe hopefully that's simple at the end of all of this. We have to start acting differently about what it means that religions are different, especially in this province where the government looks at churches, looks at other groups and saying, how do you guys get along? Religious people always cause problems. And there's all kinds of books about this that we can talk about. But the biggest thing that you and I will feel is that at some point, we feel this, it seems like arrogant to claim that our religion is right and everybody else's is wrong, right? Isn't it? It's kind of like the, 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 the epicenter of the problem. Like you have the nerve, like that seems like a proud thing to say. Like you're saying that you're right and we're wrong. Is that what you're saying? And you know what? I thought about this for a long time. And I want to kind of leave you with this before the band talks about and leads us in a song about Jesus. It would be arrogant if I was telling you to follow me. It would be arrogant if I would tell you to believe in me. Then it would be arrogant. But I think that this heart of, the Christi of Christianity is the most humble way of telling the story because we're telling people about how we're all following Jesus. And that because we're following Jesus, we're learning what it means to be humble the way he was humble.
to be a servant the way he was a servant. To die to themselves the way he died to themselves. And I think that as you tell people about that Jesus, they would be like, that doesn't sound so proud after all. Tell me more. That doesn't sound like an arrogant thing to say. Tell me more. Because we're not telling other people to follow us. We're telling them to follow Jesus. And Jesus came and everybody who met him felt that there was something so humble about his life and so real about him that he was able to say the truth in love. And people said, how do I follow this man? What do I do with this story? We live in a world where people are confused about Christianity. They're confused about weird things they read online. They're confused about religion. They're confused about all kinds of things. So maybe we are wise to go back to reading the Bible and to listen again to the way Paul and those earliest Christians started to talk about the fact that Jesus seems to have done something that changes the world forever. Are people always going to believe that? No. But what are, we, what are we learning to do? We're learning to have a conversation. We're learning to trust that the Spirit's at work. We're learning to believe that God says that when you ask for wisdom, I will give you wisdom so that other people that you know will taste of what it's like that Jesus will tell them the truth about who they are and how much he loves them. If you don't believe that, maybe you've never met Jesus yourself. And in a minute, after we do the song, I'll come up and say something about that. Just as the band just goes through the song. Remember that at the heart of the story is that everybody felt there was something special about the name of Jesus. Not like magic, but that his life, his death, and his resurrection changed something. Let's just stand as we sing the song. If you believe the good news of Jesus and the hope of the resurrection, you also believe that one day you will meet Paul of Tarsus. You will meet Paul, who was there in this story, telling people about the good news of Jesus and the resurrection. And likely he will tell you that there were times when he sat in a prison and they whipped him. He will tell you, I wish I could have told them that all religions are really the same. He would have said that. It would have been so easy. When they said sacrifice to the emperor and Jesus, you can follow him later. I wish I could have said to them, it's all the same. It's all the same. No, I was kidding, guys. I was kidding about the resurrection. But he won't say that. He'll say it was so different that the more we talked about the good news of Jesus, the more we spoke about life that comes when you say yes to them, the more we were persecuted for our faith. If only we could have said they were all the same. I wish it would be easier, but it won't be easier because Paul will ask us what sacrifices we made for saying yes to Jesus. And many of us, what are we going to say? I had to wake up early on Sunday. It was cold. I wasn't sure. I didn't want to grow. What are we going to say to the martyrs of the faith who died to give us the story of this? What are we going to say that they will laugh at and say, what? It was hard for you when you did what? When you had to wake up your kids early for church, that was hard? You'll think it's hard if you think it's all really the same thing. It's the same thing, guys. 
Today, it'd be weird to end this sermon without telling you that because it's not the same, if you've never said yes to Jesus, you should say that yes to him now. If you've never wondered about what it means to dedicate your whole life to the way of Jesus, you should say yes to him now. Will you have questions? You better believe you will. Will you need to have a dialogue and a conversation? Yes, you will as well. But we're here for that. We're here to tell you about what it was like for us when we said yes to Jesus. We're here to tell you about the struggles and the doubts and the myths that we believed that Jesus slowly loved us towards the truth. That's what he did. He just, just said, keep walking. Just keep walking. Because we do not believe a God that we blindly just touch along the way. We believe in a God that says, you need to follow me now where I'm calling you to go. So this morning, maybe you are tired of following all the other options. You've tried a lot of other things. And you sense that maybe this is the day that you will say, I, I want to just begin to understand more about this Jesus and his good news and the hope of his resurrection. As I pray, if that's you, just like invite Jesus to begin to show you more of who he is. Just be open to the ways that maybe you need to read the Bible in a new way. If you came with a friend, just tell them. Tell them that this is happening in you and come see us. Traditionally, you've maybe seen church where people are like, well, come to the front. We're going to pray right now. And there's all kinds of ways you can do this. But let's begin in an easy way. Just say yes in your heart. Just begin to say yes to the truth and the way of Jesus. And then let's begin a dialogue and see what he shows us. Let's just pray. because you're alive we sing songs about you Jesus because you're alive we pray in the way you taught us to pray Jesus because you're alive we know that you are the truth and you model the way for us that helps us to understand the love of the Father and when we obey you we experience life because you're alive Jesus we can rejoice in the good news that you looked for us before we knew how to look for you. Those of us who've said yes to you know that that leads to joy and hope, even in moments of grief and sadness. I pray for those who are part of this community who lost loved ones this week. I pray that the hope of the resurrection remind them that we do not grieve like those who have no hope and I pray for those maybe who are listening and who are here who are just sensing your spirits leading to begin to follow you would you make us a church that learns to do what Paul was doing that learns to do what you taught your earliest followers to do in a world filled with religious options we feel the pressures the anxieties the fear sometimes that leads us to believe myths. Jesus, would you reveal the truth to us? And may your grace and your wisdom go with us now as we enter the spaces, our marketplaces where we work, where we live. May you go before us and teach us.
to be those who live out of your truth. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Hey, we're, we're really encouraging many of you to come see us, chat with us. Before you run off, let me just mention, we have a prayer team of people who would love to pray with you, just talk with you if you want to. So we hope to see you next week as we wrap up the series and head towards Advent. Remember, if you have small kids upstairs, go get them. God bless everyone. See you soon.